Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Every March we have Missions March. And we're in this series, The With God Life. And uh, believe it or not, and, uh, and yet, look at here, a door on stage. So, the Lord knows, the Lord knows. Well, I want to read from Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me. In heaven and on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I want to preach a message today titled, Mission Motivations. Mission Motivations. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I bind demons and, Lord, spirits that hate people, that seek to deceive and bind and enslave. Lord, as long as we're together in this moment, I pray and say that their operation is bound. May people be loosed, set free. And we ask, Father, in Jesus' name, your plans to prosper, your plans to empower people in your will would flourish. That Holy Spirit, you would revive hearts, revive mission motivations within your people. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Make much of King Jesus. It's in His name I pray. Amen. Well, if you missed it in our main text here in Matthew 28, Jesus, after His resurrection, He is talking to those that He had chosen to be with Him in ministry. And He says, as you're going, make disciples of all the nations. And as you've heard me say before, all means all, and that's all that all means. So God loves every person of every tribe, of every tongue, of every nation. And Jesus says that His followers as they go through life are to be intentionally a part of this process that He calls making disciples. This brings into play for those of us today that are followers of Jesus motivations for you and I to stay on mission. To be a part of this mission that is Jesus's, and He has invited us to be with Him in this mission. You know, so often as followers of Jesus, oftentimes us prioritizing the mission does. There are distractions. There are things that seek to, you know, get after our time and priorities. And so, for followers of Jesus, we have to learn how to march 
as Paul told Timothy, as a soldier of Jesus Christ consistently in this partnership. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, what we're looking at, I believe the Holy Spirit will use to revive motivations for you to live on mission. in This with God partnership in life. But if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you're wondering the claims of Christ and biblical Christianity, you're in the right place as we're going to look at the core and the essence of the gospel and the claims of Christ. When we talk about the mission of God, we must remind ourselves that it starts with God. So often when we think about mission and purpose and what God would want to do in our life or through our life, we seek to answer those questions. Thus, we'll end up in the wrong place because the mission of God starts with God. When it comes even to the gospel, so often we want to start with us and what we're going through. But the gospel doesn't start with us, it starts with God. It's the gospel of God, it's the mission of God. Let me talk about God for a moment. In Romans 1 and verse 20 it says, For since the creation of the world, His, His being God, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without, they being all humanity, you and I, those listening, those here, are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. When it comes to motivations for mission, it starts with the reality of God. The reality that God exists, that you and I and all that we see in nature did not happen by macroevolution. It did not happen by happenstance. That there is a Creator and the Creator is God. That missions, and as you and I deal with the theme of missions, we have to be reminded of the reality that God exists. And what's interesting is this is not just something for a select few to know. That God has actually made Himself known to every person He has ever created. Every human that has ever existed knows the reality of God because God has made Himself known to them. The amazing thing is, as I've said before, is that those that will no longer acknowledge the reality that He exists, even though God has revealed it to them, they are the minority. That the majority of humans still will acknowledge the reality that God has made it clear to them that there is a God, there is a Creator. In fact, over 80% of people in our country will still very clearly and consistently acknowledge God. The issue is, is there is a distance between having a knowledge of the reality of God and having an understanding of that reality. Let me break it down to you this way. If you really understood the knowledge that you have that God exists, then it would lead you to ask questions or seek to answer questions. Well, what then does God want for me? If I exist because God the Creator willed me to exist... He created me. Then understanding the knowledge of His reality means I should then want to know what does He desire then for me. 
hindered? What is he going to hold me accountable for? And yet, though over 80% will clearly acknowledge God exists, they just have the knowledge of that reality. They don't have the understanding because when you look at their life, they don't wrestle with those questions. They don't wrestle with, what does He require of me then? Now this is the essence of what is called the fear of the Lord in Scripture. And Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Meaning, you have a reverential awe of the fact that God has given you that He exists. And that reverential awe that there is a Creator and you have been created by Him is what Scripture calls the fear of the Lord. If you know that God exists, I want to ask you today, are you not curious then on what He requires of you? How can there be a disconnect if you acknowledge God exists and yet you're not curious about what He then requires of you? See, if you know God exists, are you not concerned if you do not know the answer to what God expects of you? It should create a concern. It should create for you a sense of priority to know that answer. And so the reality of God, secondly... Not only is the reality of God a missions motivator, but the reality of His wrath is. Now bear with me for a moment, because I know you've been in America where there's been uh, so much lack of holistic biblical preaching and teaching, but just bear with me for a minute. In Romans 1.18, Scripture says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, that means humans, who suppress, notice this, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. When it comes to the wrath of God, you and I need to understand that wrath is just an aspect of His love. Listen to me. If you have love for something or someone, then you would have wrath for anything and anyone that would seek to bring pain or destroy or afflict that which you have love for. God's wrath is an aspect of His love to destroy and confine for all eternity all that is evil. All that has destroyed and corrupted his creation, and humans, which are the crown of His creation, who destroy and confine for all eternity that which has sought to destroy and delay and hinder His plan. Now, this eternal confinement is called, what many of you are aware of often, the term hell. But the eternal confinement is hell becomes the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the eternal confinement where the wrath of God abides for eternity upon all evil and all that has caused corruption and pain and sorrow and death and devastation on the earth and to humanity and the creation of God. It is in one way an eternal prison. 
Now, I haven't met anyone, and maybe there are because there are people that are reprobate, unfortunately, but I have never met anyone in our country that when it comes to dealing with someone who's a serial killer, someone who's a pattern abuser or murderer or just a wicked person, I have never met anyone that has an issue with that person being locked up and confined so that they do not continue to cause more evil and pain and devastation and sorrow. That's why prisons exist. Is when you have someone who is unwilling to do what is right and continues to afflict pain and harm and devastation to others in God's creation, then there's got to be a confinement to that evil. This is what the lake of fire is for eternity. For those who choose to continue To follow evil and wickedness, there has to be a confinement to them and that evil and wickedness. Least God's new heaven and new earth get corrupted. And the same pain and sorrow and tragedy and devastation you and I see on the earth continues to take place. Now, Scripture is very clear that in God the Creator's intent and plan, He originally created this eternal confinement, this eternal prison called hell or the lake of fire just for the devil and the demons that follow him. The devil was a created angel. He was the first being to ever create sin. By definition, sin is lawlessness, meaning it's choosing to be a law unto yourself and losing the fear of the Lord that because you're not creator, you don't lie. You have to submit to the Creator who then establishes the standard and the laws of right and wrong, righteousness and unrighteousness. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 25, 41. He says, Then He will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from Me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, watch this, prepared for the devil and his angels. The reason in the eternal plan of God there was a place of eternal confinement of of wrath and judgment was because of the devil who is called the lawless one and the fallen angels who have fallen or followed him. Now, we as humans have all sinned. And because sin is lawlessness, whether you realize it or not, the first time we sinned, we followed in the footsteps of the devil, the lawless one by committing lawlessness against God our Creator. Did you notice in the text in Romans 1 when it said how unrighteousness of humans who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, meaning unrighteous and ungodly living suppresses the truth. What truth? The truth that God has given to every human that He exists. And that because He exists, there's an account of a happenstance and there's no such thing as macroevolution that we don't just cease to be. We don't just to get to live however we want and then have no accountability. No, because we were created by a Creator and the Creator has a standard, you and I are brought into accountability to the Creator and His standard. 
But unrighteousness and sin and lawlessness suppress or push down in the conscience and the hearts of an individual the reality that God exists that He has made known to them. Has made known to them. So another thing when it comes to sin, which is lawlessness, that we must understand is lawlessness has not just affected mankind, but it also has affected the earth and the heavens God has created. That sin and lawlessness is so destructing, destructive that it has caused devastation to earth and the heavens that God created. Listen, this is why tornadoes happen. This is why tsunamis happen. This is why earthquakes happen. That sin that originated from the lawless one Satan, but then also humankind's participation in lawlessness has so affected God's creation of the earth and heavens that it has led to the multiplication of sorrow, destruction, devastation, pain, death, and tragedy. And that's why 1 John 2.17 tells us, and the world is passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Meaning, the earth and the heavens that exist now must pass away. It must be dealt with because sin has so affected it. So when it comes to mission motivation for followers of Jesus, we have the reality that God exists. We have the reality that the wrath of God is coming upon this world that is passing away. See, Scripture says that the, that the first time God, due to the wickedness of mankind and the lawlessness of mankind, that He judged the earth to deal with all that was evil and wicked, that He flooded it. But Scripture says now the earth that you and I live on and the heavens that we see, they're reserved for the wrath of His fire. That the earth you and I live on and the heavens are reserved for the fire of His coming judgment. The wrath of God, which is an aspect of the love of God, to deal with the corruption and the effects of sin upon our earth and heavens is coming upon this earth and heavens. That's why Scripture says that this earth is passing away in the lust of it. Now this is very important as we look forward to more of these realities. So there is God, there is His wrath. Next I want to talk to you about the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. There was a show on Netflix, Michelle and I watched. Now if, if you're a youth... Our parents, you have youth, I wouldn't encourage you to allow your, your children, your youth to watch them. Uh, if you're not mature in your faith, even as a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you not to watch it. But Michelle and I watched this show, and it was about a family. It was about a family that had learned how to create keys in dealing with demons and supernatural. In fact, it's a show called Lock and Key. they got a picture of it here. And each key that they created allowed them to deal with demons and the spiritual reality and world in a supernatural way. For instance, there was a key that was a supernatural physical strength. 
There's a key. They got another picture that goes into the back of someone's neck. A hole opens and it allows you to get into the mind and deal with the memories and the past of a person. But each key represented a supernatural function. Supernatural function. And as Michelle and I watched this, I couldn't help but to think about the reality of a biblical worldview when it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus the king of the kingdom, and that scripture speaks of keys of the kingdom. Now if you don't understand about keys, the simple fact of a key is a key grants you authority. A key grants you authority to unlock something that is closed to others and gives you access. For some of you, you have a key to your house means you have been granted the authority to enter and exit that house. For some of you, you have keys of your job like a, a certain a closet or room where there's you know special files and things that's closed to others, but you've got a key that grants you access. Now this is very important because remember the reality we started with is that there's a God. How this earth He has created works. What you find out, he created that there's keys. Keys that determine how things and what things take place on the earth. Let me give you an example. In Isaiah 22, in verse 22, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah and he says, the key of the house of David. Notice it mentions a key. Of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. Now this is a prophecy. This is God declaring thousands of years beforehand that He's going to send someone and He's going to lay on His shoulder this key, this authority called the key of the house of David. And it says, so He shall open and no one shall shut. And He shall shut and no one shall open. Now, let me talk for a moment about the key of David. If you go read the history and the story of David in the Old Testament, one of the interesting things you find about David is David learned and found a key that multitudes around him and multitudes of generations before him didn't know exist or didn't know how to utilize. David found a key of how to access the revealed, manifest presence of God and His kingdom right in the midst of where He was on the earth. David had a key called the key of David that he learned how to access him of God. The place where God's will and presence and rule breaks in. What's amazing about David is David didn't just keep the key to himself. He set up the tent or the tabernacle of David. Watch this. Where non-Jewish people who didn't have a covenant with God, who was not a part of the nation of Israel, could seek God their creator. Pretty amazing. Another aspect of the key of David is God promised David that from his lineage, the Messiah, the king of the kingdom of God, would come from his lineage. And so here we see this prophecy where God promises David that. And David learned how to access God's righteousness, how to be in right standing with God. He learned how to access a peace that surpasses all understanding. He learned how to access a joy unspeakable full of glory. Because Paul said in Romans 14, 17 that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
Now watch this. Revelation 2.7 says, this is Jesus speaks to the apostle John on the island of Patmos and he says to him, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Jesus has the key of David. Meaning Jesus has the keys of the kingdom of God. Revelation 1.8 Here, again, Jesus speaking to the apostle John says to him, I am who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys, watch this, of Hades and of death. I don't have time to tell you how it all works or worked, but the lawless one, Lucifer, Satan, and his fallen angels, demons that follow him, got a hold of keys that God had created on how this earth works. That's why Hebrew says the devil had the authority of death. But Jesus, that's why it highlights here, who died but rose again, he took the keys that Satan and demons used to have to Hades and death, he took it back. Where now all the keys, the authority of the kingdom of God, Jesus has. These keys of the keys of the kingdom, how the kingdom of God works. One of these keys of the kingdom is what Scripture calls the key of knowledge. Now, look at Luke 11.52. Jesus, during His time on the earth in His ministry, He looked to the religious around Him. And here He's speaking to the, the Pharisees and the scribes. And He says in Luke 11.52, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. What's he talking about? Well, remember, keys allow you to enter places that have been locked or that others don't have access to. And here he tells the religious leaders, he says, Look, you have taken away the key of knowledge, and you didn't use the key of knowledge to enter in yourself, and you actually began to hinder, hinder others from entering in. Entering into what? The kingdom of God. To this new experience of how to be right with God and experience the peace that surpasses the manifest revealed presence of God right here in the midst of this earth. Let me read you another scripture. Matthew 23, 13. This is Matthew's account of what we just saw of Luke's account. He says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Yeah, if nice is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> Truth and love. Sometimes we think Jesus was just nice. No, Jesus was the Word of God revealed. He had to speak truth and love. And here's what happened. 
The Pharisees had the key of knowledge. But instead of using the key of knowledge to enter into the kingdom of God for themselves and allow others to enter in, they did not use the key and they began to make up their own laws, their own standards. And they began to teach the people things that they wanted instead of the commandments of God. They had all these traditions. They had all these hoops and hurdles and things. And they began to lock up how to enter the kingdom of God to the the person. Now I want to tell you, before I break all this down more, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you're his disciple or learner of him, you have the key of knowledge to unlock people from their chains of sin. When it comes to living on mission, as a follower we can be used and partner with God to unlock people from being a slave to sin. Unlock people from chains of oppression, generations of dysfunction and despair. See, the key of knowledge is Scripture. It's Scripture. Paul, when he writes to his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy 3.14, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, notice what he didn't say. Scripture does not save us. Scripture is the key of knowledge. It's the key for you to know how to unlock the door to enter salvation. See, in America you have people that worship the Bible and and the Scripture, the key. But they're not wise because they've not used the key of knowledge, Scripture, to lead them to unlock the door of salvation to enter. Reveals. His name is Jesus. Now, as followers of Jesus, we need to learn the authority and the keys of the kingdom that the king has entrusted to us to use for his name, for his glory, for his purpose, for his sake. There is a key for all humans key of knowledge as revealed in Scripture for all humans to be able to escape from this world that is reserved from the fire of God's judgment and wrath that's coming upon it. There is a way of escape for your sin, for your selfishness, from you trying to be your own king, from this world that is reserved for the coming wrath There is a door of escape. John was a minister. He was known as John the Baptist. In Luke 3.11, he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee? Think of this world. You need 
when it comes to mission motivation to think about it as a world where wrath is coming upon it. The love of God is coming in wrath form to judge and to confine and remove from all eternity lawlessness and sin and unrighteousness and wickedness and he has to put away the old, this earth because sin and lawlessness has so affected it that now as followers of Jesus we have hope that God will create a new heaven and a new hope where there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more destruction, there's no more wars, there's no more selfishness, there is no more evil. And Satan and his demons and those who follow in his lawlessness are no more. But righteousness flows like a river and justice like a noonday. So through, we can learn about other kingdom realities like the reality of repentance, the, the, the reality of the ability to change your mind on the preference of your will, to change your mind about your future, to change your mind regarding what standard you're living for. We can learn about realities of faith, that without faith it's impossible to please God. We can learn realities like confession, that the power of life and death in the tongue, that if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you can experience salvation. It's through the key of knowledge in Scripture we can learn these kingdom realities. It makes me think of Psalm 25, 14. It says, the secret of the Lord, everybody say secret, of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. This is beautiful. What it's saying is, is someone who will not continue to suppress the truth that God has revealed to them that He exists. If they will not keep suppressing that truth, and they have and keep the fear of the Lord, the fact that He exists, then God will show them the secret of His covenant or the way of escape from this earth and the wrath to come. God, listen, He'll move heaven and earth and He'll mobilize people to go to those who are not continuing to suppress the truth, but who are searching for the answer to the question, yes God, I know you exist, but what do you require of me? And He will use us to reveal the secret door and the only door of escape from the wrath to come. So let me talk about the door of the kingdom for a moment. In John 10 and verse 7, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus Christ claims to be the door. And He claims to be the only door, way of escape from a world that is destined for the judgment and wrath of God. And to be the only way of escape from your sin, from your lawlessness, and you having to pay the penalty and the effects of your sin from eternity. Jesus claims 
that He's the door. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Listen to me, God didn't create you so that He could condemn you. God didn't create you so that He would have to put you in the eternal confinement of eternity called the lake of fire. No, that's why He sent Jesus the door. Is because God created you because He loves you and He created you to have a relationship with Him and He created you to partner with what He's doing in His, in His eternal purpose. So the fact that God sent His Son Jesus is God's rescue plan to rescue you from a world that is on track to run right into the wrath and the judgment of God when God deals with all sin and effects of sin upon the earth earth and the heavens. And He sent Jesus to be the door and the only door of escape. God seeking to save us from a world that must be destroyed due to sin and lawlessness and the effects upon it. In John 3.33 it says, He who has received His testimony, whom God has sent, speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure, the Father loves the Son. And has given all things. By the way, the all things there, it's all the keys of the kingdom. Into His hand. And that's why in our main text, Matthew 28 says, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me now. And that's why in Revelation to John, He says, I who was dead but now I'm alive, I hold now the keys of the kingdom. He has given all things into His hand. In verse 36 of John 3, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. See, the reason Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world is that the world was already condemned. The reason Jesus didn't come in the world to condemn you is because you have sin, and sin is lawlessness, meaning you have fallen in the footsteps of the lawless one, Satan, who the eternal lake of fire has been prepared for. So he didn't come to condemn you. You were condemned already. He came to be the door to save you, to rescue you, to bring you back to your Creator who loved you and created you and who has a plan for you and invites you into His eternal purpose that you would partner with Him and what He's doing for eternity. So Jesus is God's rescue plan. He's the door and the only door. And He was used of God to open the way back to God for you and I. Listen, you don't have to understand how God did all of that and, and the mystery, but here's one thing you got to understand. God could not just wave a wand and forgive you. See, God is just and He's righteous. God had to provide you and I a way of escape through righteousness. He had to do it in a righteous manner. Not an unrighteous manner. In a righteous manner. And so God allowed His Son, Jesus, to be crucified. 
to take the death that you and I deserved, to take the condemnation that you and I deserved so that a door would be open where we could access a relationship with our Creator. We could access the kingdom of God. We could access a new way of living. We could access a new reality. And the scripture we just read says that he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son and God has given a witness to this. Listen, God has verified the witness of Jesus Christ. How? By raising him from the dead. There is no other religion, there is no other person who ever claimed to speak for God or on behalf of God as the way of God who died and then rose again. Jesus is the only one. He's the only one that came saying I've came from God and I'm speaking the truth of God and I'm revealing the way of God. In fact, I am the way of God and He's the only... That's why He's the only door. He's the only way. Listen, Christianity's not the door. The Bible's not the door. What nation you're born in is not the door. Jesus Christ alone is the door. He's the door. The scripture said there's no other name under heaven by which men and women can be saved. The name of Jesus. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said no one can come back to the Creator Father except through me. To not believe that and the witness God gave of the resurrection of Jesus is to call God a liar. Jesus is the door into the kingdom of God. He's the only door. Jesus is the door of access to the presence of God, your Creator, and to the kingdom of God. And we have a key called the key of knowledge. Eyes on how to be saved. The key of knowledge don't save you, but the key of knowledge can make you be wise on how to be saved. And if you allow the key of knowledge to do that, and as we just read what's contained in this key of knowledge where Jesus claims He's the key of knowledge, and you go, and you repent, you change the preference of your will, and you change your mind about how you want to live and who you want to live for, and you place trust, relational faith, that the only way back to your Creator is Jesus and you use that key of the knowledge of God's Word where you're willing to confess Him as Lord. And when you do, you unlock and you open the door and you enter into a new reality called the kingdom of God. A reality of righteousness where now you're in right standing with God. Not because you worked your way there, but because you believe in Him whom God sent. The one that God verified by raising Him from the dead. And now you begin to see the world in a new way. You have a new perception, a new worldview. You understand that the world, the wrath of God abides on it and it's passing away and the lust thereof. But now you live in the kingdom of God and you have access to a peace that surpasses all understanding. You have access to a joy unspeakable, full of glory. And now you live in what's called the kingdom of God. You live in what's called the Spirit. And Paul then writes to those now who have used the key of knowledge and who have accessed the door into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. And he says in Galatians, if you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And now Jesus says, follow me. And as we follow Him, we begin to learn little by little 
what walking and living in this new kingdom and, and this new way of living now that we can relate to our Creator looks like. And little by little, step by step, we learn to walk in this spirit and this reality. We begin to grow in grace and the knowledge of truth. We begin to grow in understanding the keys, the authority we now have in Christ. And we get a motive, mission motivation. Jesus says, follow me. And he, he invites you and I to grow in Him and to learn of Him, to be His disciple, what I'm doing. And as we do that, as we go back throughout the world, as we go back throughout the same job, as we go back to the same family of origin, as we go back into the same home, as we do it, we are a part of partnering with Him to rescue and to use the key of knowledge to tell others the only way of escape. To tell them that Jesus is the only way to escape the coming wrath upon the earth. If you think the shaking of wars and rumors of wars and famines and economy and money failing is difficult, oh, you should see the wrath that's coming. And we warn them, we, we urge them in love to flee the wrath to come, that God loved them and He made a way for them. And we use the key of knowledge of Scripture to plead with them in love to take the way of escape, the only way of escape. And then they do, they use the key, and then they walk through the door, salvation, Jesus, and then the process continues. And we see what God intended from the very beginning, multiplication of God having more sons and daughters who partner with Him, who experience the kingdom of God, who walk in this new reality called life in the Spirit. And I want to tell you if you're a follower of Jesus today that there's another aspect I want to bring before you today of Psalm 20. The Lord is with those who fear Him. For the unbelievers in the world who won't suppress through unrighteousness and godliness the truth that God has made known to them that He exists, God then will send. He'll move heaven and earth to ensure that the secret of the only door of escape, Jesus, is communicated and preached to them but also for those of us who are already followers of Jesus. If we keep growing in the process of following Jesus and don't suppress the truth that He's teaching us, and don't suppress the process of learning to walk in the Spirit since we live in the Spirit, watch this, He'll reveal a secret to you. And this is why not every believer knows this secret, even though God wants every believer to know this secret is because if you will keep the fear of the Lord and keep growing and following Jesus, He'll reveal the secret. He'll show you an aspect of the New Testament covenant. And what is it? That, listen, that the kingdom of God now, the power to change people's life, change people's existence, change people's lineage, change people's hearts, it don't come first with observance outwardly that the kingdom of God, the presence of the King and the Spirit of the King and the power for change and transformation now lives within every believer. It's 127. To them God willed to make it known. He wills to make this secret known to you, which are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. That now wherever you go, as you're going through the world, the kingdom of God, this new way of living, 
And the Spirit of the King is where you go. Why? Because Christ is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. That the ability to see people rescued and see things change is Christ within you. The hope of anything glorious happening is within us, believers. Jesus was asked in His day in Luke 17, 21. They said, how will we know when the kingdom of God comes? And He says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Now wherever you go in the world, you bring the presence of the King. You bring access to the kingdom of God. But you have to use the keys that you have in Christ. Use the key of knowledge to tell people, I can help you access your Creator. I can help you come out of your sin and your shame and your guilt and your enslavery to Satan and his ways and lawlessness and to escape the the wrath and the judgment to come. That there's a way into the kingdom of God and His name is Jesus. And because He is the way, that's why He's the only one worthy. He's the only one worthy of our praise. He's the only one worthy of our affection and our attention. He is the name above all names and He's worthy of our praise today. For followers of Jesus, this leaves us with three things to be reminded of. The first is mindfulness. Mindfulness. You know, we have all night prayer here. I believe we're going to start having it three times a year. Hallelujah. And in all night prayer, we have segments where we pray for different things. But if you stay late enough you'll find often that all night prayer, I'll end up on the drums. I'll find myself on the drum set, worshiping God, playing the drums. You know, in fact, uh, my firstborn, my oldest son, was on the front row in the first gathering, and and, uh, I couldn't remember exactly, and I didn't uh, take time yesterday to ask Michelle, but I think when he was five, maybe six, maybe seven, that's a pretty big range, but I think within that range, we bought him a a drum set for Christmas one year. And, uh, you know, it had the seat and had all the different, you know, drums and, of course, drumsticks. And, and, uh, you know, when I talk about the drums and these two stories of me playing drums at All Night Prayer and my son getting a drum set, how many of you for the first time today in this gathering, looked at the drums. Anybody? Some hand. Those are called early adopters. Early adopters. You know why they begin to, begin to talk about drums? But watch this. The drums were here the whole time. But only as I began to talk about and tell stories about the drums did they become consciously aware of what was here the whole time. And it's the same for the kingdom of God. It's the same for the reality of Christ in you if you're a follower of Jesus. That if you don't get around people like early adopters, and then the early adopters will influence others to then think about the drums. If you don't get around people that talk about the reality of Christ and the kingdom of God within you, then you won't stay consciously aware of it even though it's there the whole time. And it's the same with the keys. If you don't get around followers of Jesus that talk about we have keys, we have authority in Him, we have the key of knowledge that we can unlock people's from from slavery into sin and see them ushered into the kingdom of God through Jesus that if you don't talk about it you won't be aware and concept you won't ever use it you won't use it 
Mindfulness matters. That's why Paul in Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You know what Paul's saying, friend? Where the thoughts of the mind are, there your feet will follow. And if we don't stay mindful of us partnering with God in mission motivations, then we won't use our keys, our authority to see people unlock from the prison of shame and sin and selfishness. See them access the Father's good and perfect presence and nature through Jesus, the only door. Let me ask you a question, friend. How are you keeping mindful of the reality of the presence of the King and His kingdom within you? You know why we do what we do corporately as a church, as a local body of Christ? You know why we gather? You know why we grow through growth phases? You know why we group through connect groups? You know why we give through giving and gifting teams and giving of the work of our hands? Is opportunities to get mindful again. Where Jesus said, hey, follow me. You remember there were two fishermen? And Jesus had started his ministry. and He said, hey, I'll make you fishers of men if you'll follow me. Listen, listen. Jesus is not asking some of you to leave the job that you're at. Now that you're a follower of Him. Jesus is not asking you to give up likes and passions and things that He's given you. Natural talents and interests now that you follow Him. He's just saying now He wants to show you how to use those things to rescue people from the judgment to come. How to use them to know the only door of escape, the way out of their sin and shame and guilt. Jesus. Let me ask you another question, friend. How are you keeping mindful of the mission? How are you keeping mindful of the reality of God? Come on, Jesse. How are you keeping mindful of His coming wrath? How are you keeping mindful the keys of the kingdom that we have in Christ? How are you keeping mindful of the only door, Jesus? How are you keeping mindful of the lost around you? How are you keeping mindful of those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news? See, this is why God and then His love first because sin has so affected the hearts and minds of humanity that when you use words like love and mercy, sin is so corrupt, it corrupts our understanding of those words. news. The reason there's a good news is because we're all in a bad state. If, if people don't understand the reality of a world that is destined and reserved for the fire of God's wrath and judgment to confine sin and all that's evil and wicked for eternity, then the, the gospel's not good news to them. But it's the reality of God, the reality of His wrath, the reality of keys of the kingdom, the reality is the only door of the kingdom, Jesus. But we got to be mindful of that second motivations. 
One of the motivations God's given us is the pattern of sound teaching. In 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Hey, Timothy, I want you to find persons, faithful persons, who will find other faithful persons and commit to them the pattern of New Testament sound teaching. One of the motivations God's given us is the pattern of New Testament teaching because, listen, it's in the pattern of New Testament teaching that you understand your personhood, who God now has made you in the Spirit and in the kingdom. And it's in the pattern of sound teaching. You understand your purpose in Christ. Pattern. we got a growth phases where we teach the pattern starting next month. You can get signed up today at the next step table. Secondly, a motivation is the partnership. Our main text, Matthew 28, 18. Come on, band. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. He's saying, I got the keys now. We can lock up what things in the provision and the things of God that need to be unlocked on the earth. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go as you're going therefore. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. There's a partnership. God the Father and the King Jesus don't want to do it all alone. That's why you who are followers, us who are followers of Jesus, we're called His body. We are the vehicle where the kingdom of God gets revealed and manifested on this earth that's passing away into those that are currently following in the course of this world that's passing away. Partnership. Partnership, you'll find that there's a power for you. He promised that He's with those that as they're going make disciples. This is important. I don't have time, but in the text, and God talks to Moses. He says, I'm going to talk about it on, in DP midweek. You can watch it this week. But it says, those that seek the presence of God with Moses, they went outside the camp. Meaning, we got to move. This is camp. But to encounter God's presence in a new and powerful way, you got to go outside the camp and live on mission. I, I never had anybody hand me thousands of dollars when our family had literally no sufficient like stable income and we were starting this church plan and walking by, I had no one ever hand me thousands of dollars before I went outside the camp and began to follow Jesus and what He told me to do. You know, believe it or not, I never had the, the kingdom of God, God's presence break in to my office in order to speak to someone and tell them the good news when I'm sitting in my office by myself. No, no, no. But when I'm in Starbucks, or when I was downtown Woodstock every day, the kingdom of God would break in and stir in my heart and then break out. And there would be a moment where God had orchestrated using a key to tell somebody, oh, you don't have to live like that. There's a way of escape. His name's Jesus. And I'm not here by happenstance. God put on my heart to come and to, to see people drawn to Jesus who are starting a church and it's as you are outside the camp and you go on break in we use our keys to see the bound set free and liberated 
There's a power, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. Dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. It's the power that can remove and explode mountains. It's a power to unlock where people have been blinded and have faced obstacles forever. It's like the song that we sang, that when we praise God by the power of the Holy Spirit, walls come down. Mountains are removed. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses wherever you go. Motivations, there's the pattern, there's the partnership, the power, and lastly, the persons. Now, I never saw, I never saw this movie because I'm not a big sci-fi guy. Those of you like that don't hate me. Don't throw anything at me. But I'm not a big sci-fi guy. But there is this movie where even though I didn't see it, there was a line in it that became so popular in our culture that I became aware even of that line in the movie even though I never saw it. And the line was this. It was a young boy. And he said, I see dead people. The fifth sense. Sixth sense. (laughs) Move away from the notes real quick. The sixth sense, I see dead people. You want to talk about a missions motivation, friend? Is now that I'm in the Spirit and I'm in the kingdom, everywhere I look, I see dead people. I see people where the world says they're alive, but Scripture says, no, they're dead. They they don't even know what it's like to be alive yet. They haven't even experienced the life God intended for them yet. They've not even experienced the reason why they're created yet. They're dead in sin and their trespasses. And everywhere I go, I see dead people. I see people dead. And they're hurting and they're afflicted and they're oppressed because they're following the lawless one. And God's given us a key. key of knowledge through Scripture to tell them, oh, there's a door. His name is Jesus. He came. He loves you so much. He made a way when there was no way. You don't have to continue to have the same experience. There's now access to what's called the kingdom of God. And there's a right way of living. There's a way of living now in right standing with your Creator. There's a way of living now where you can sense God's presence with you. Where you don't just talk about heaven way up there. But heaven is right here with me. The King of heaven is right here with me. I'm not alone. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm empowered by His Spirit. And in the mountaintops in the valleys, He's with me. There's nowhere I can go. Where can I go now from His presence? The King and the kingdom is with me. And we tell them, we use our keys. Lastly, our mouth. So many people say, well, Pastor Shade, you don't understand how, you know, they'll use the God card. God's wired me. It's just my personality just to be shy and quiet. I don't know. Listen, listen, listen. Regardless of your personality, God's commanded all of us to use our mouth to use the key of knowledge to tell people the only way of escape God's only provision of escape God's only provision for their sin God's only way for them to be saved Jesus listen God because He's the Creator gets to design the process and the method and God chose you and I using our mouth to tell others the good news to be the primary way that people come to know about the door named Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message proclaimed 
to save those that believe. Listen, God chose for you and I to be the primary instruments through our mouth to see people be saved. Listen, just living it at work ain't good enough. Just living it around your family ain't good enough. That's an aspect. But listen, at some point, they cannot believe in whom they've not heard. And when you declare Christ crucified in the message and the kingdom realities we've talked about, it's more than just words. In those words, in language, in the communication through the bridge called language that another understands, they are encountered not just with the words, they're encountered with the living Word of God, Jesus. So may you and I use our mouths and the key of knowledge in our mouths to reveal the only door of the kingdom, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And lastly, may we use our mouth with the key of David. Because David was a praiser. He understood that's one of the ways you access the revealed manifest presence of God is you have to learn to praise God. Free from the fear of man. His own wife despised him when he danced for the ark. Culture around him. But he, he... Use the key to access the revealed presence of God. And this is why Psalm says that when you get the high praises of God in your mouth, you bind demons around you. That's why religious hate, hate praise. That's why religious spirits and culture hates churches that will praise. Because when you praise, you're declaring the marvelous light of Him who called you out of darkness into light. And it begins to bind demons from their plans on your life, plans on your family, plans on the neighbors, plans at your work, plans around Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.